Good evening. This is Three Valleys Radio. Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we've got Dave Hilda Pryor. Our news commentator, Tom Bailey. And little Tommy White's around. And we're joined by special guest, Andy Williams. Settle down and let's have a little bit of football banter now that the game has started again in earnest with the EFLs kicking off on Saturday and of course the Charity Shield as well. So pour yourself a nice cup of tea and settle down. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And uh, we'll introduce you to our guest now. First of all, we've got Tommy White. Tommy, how are you doing? All right? All good here. Thanks, AD. Hello, Dan. Hello, listeners. And then we've got uh, Tom Bailey, our new commentator for away games, at least away games, I think. How are you doing, Tom? Hello, everyone. Doing very well, thank you. Good. Getting used to being a Three Valleys man. Absolutely, setting them well. Oh, that's all right. Oh, Hilda's arrived now. Uh, and our special guest today is Andy Williams. Hi, Andy. Hi, you all okay? Yeah, we're all okay, old dog. It's just the others, you know. But, um, well, he was cut. Oh, here he is. is. And finally, having trouble with his machinery, is none other than, he's not switched on yet, Dave Pryor. Evening, gentlemen. Oh, you are switched on. Excellent. All right then, mate. Uh, if I could throw all my appliances out the window, then uh, then I would do. I can't even get the camera to work now, but that's probably not a Well, look, um, I'll a show bad you thing. A, an implement that I keep in my office. So <laughs> whenever the computer goes wrong, you just want one of these. All right? Exhibit A. Yeah, exhibit A. <laughs> just, you know, I went to sign in um, with a good 10 minutes to spare as well, and it said... You need to update your Zoom. And I could almost hear A.D. Hopper saying, Hilda, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> but here yeah. I am. Here I am. Well, you obviously know Tommy White because he's been on before with you. And you obviously know Tom Bailey. I do indeed. Uh, but sat right next to you, although you can't see him, is Andy Williams. <laughs> Hi, uh... How you doing, Andy? All right. We have no, actually, good, thank you. you have, you, we have actually spoken before. If memory serves me right, on one of these pods, I believe this isn't. It isn't your debut tonight, is it? You've been on here before. No, yeah, I think we have, and I think you were on before. Yeah, so I think we have technically met in this digital world before. Yeah. yeah. There you go, then. There you go. So, Mister uh, Master of Ceremonies, what have we got for us today, then? Okay. So, have I only missed the introductions? Then is that right? All oh, my face yeah, is going funny yes, again. Oh, yes. Just... Turn myself off in the background. You don't need to see me. No. So, um, well, I'm going to chuck us straight in because obviously Yeovil kicked off um, this weekend. Uh, lots of anticipation. Obviously, a lot has gone on um, in the summer in terms of um, off the field, the new investment into the club, new ownership, of course. And now so we've got new players and the season comes. You're full of excitement. And you get a 1-0 defeat away to Hemel Hempstead. Our new commentator man, Mr. Tom Bailey, was there for us at Three Valley. So, Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now. Um, firstly, you were there. What what did you make of the performance and obviously the result? Um, well, I mean, I, I was telling AD and uh, Tommy before we all uh, got started. It just felt very familiar. Uh, not a nice familiar. Um one nil was probably our most common scoreline last year as well. Of go behind to a silly goal that we shouldn't have conceded, lots of good passing football and no chances and goals to come with it. 
um, which the goal that we did score, to be fair, was actually onside from replays at the time we went to know that. But um, other than that goal, we really didn't do too much to really warrant anything more than a draw. Um, we had good passages in the first half, but second half, Hemel came out and were they were pretty good. They had a good shape. Um, and again, we sort of attacked the last 20, 25 minutes or so, but we couldn't get anything more than sort of lumping it into the box and towards the keeper's hands. So um, we'll put it down to ring rust uh, and a, a somewhat fired up crowd. A couple of issues off it, but we'll gloss over them. Um, we'll just have to build off the four home games now and, and get some momentum going. In terms of the performance, Tom, was it what you were were expecting? Can you take encouragement from the performance? Was it one of those where it was just a little bit of a, a sucker punch and it can happen and you move on and it was just unfortunate that it was the first game? Or was there anything there that made you think, well, do you know what? It's not going to be that easy this year. Um, Difficult to say it's... early on, I suppose. I th- I think so. There were definitely bright spots. Um, Whittle looked good down the left. Um, Bell going forward looked good down the right. Um, we didn't see much of Worthy or Cooper, which I didn't like. They're both fantastic players, so I, I would like to see them be used more. Uh, Murphy looked like he was playing on the edge, which was nice to see. Um, play with a bit of fire in his belly. Um, Nubel... Again, he was trying. You can't fault them for the effort. Wannell as well, I must single out. Wannell was fantastic. Um, I can't. I think I lost count of the amount of times of Craig King kicks it long, but it lands on Jake Wannell's head. Um, so brilliant from him. Um, I think it will just take a little bit of time to come together with the, the new signings and uh, obviously not used to AstroTurf pitches as well while we beat Dorchester. You know, we aren't used to scenarios like that. Um, I reckon when we've got some some miles in those legs that they should be able to kick on. Tommy, did you see the result come through, I assume, on, on Saturday? Um, what was your, your thoughts when you saw that come through on the video printer? Yeah, you've got to uh, scout around a little bit. for. Um, on uh, true. My it's a lot uh, of scrolling down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I might have to see if I can favourite them again on my on my football app to see because uh, you can find the league. But yeah, it wasn't uh, easy to find. Yeah, disappointing to um, obviously see that result. Um, you know, I know away games are never easy, um, but you know, at the same stage, it would have been nice to obviously start with a with a positive result. So yeah, disappointing on that front. I had to rely upon um, you know Facebook and things to see what people have said about the game. And in fairness. Um, the lad won or was singled out by someone else, but I didn't want to say that first in case uh, in case it was someone who was didn't really know what they were looking at. So um, not really reliable sources, just people that I may know from Facebook. So, yes, I'm going to have to look into a better way of sort of getting some better coverage somewhere. Um, so that's something to look at. Possibly uh, like a, yeah. a local radio station, perhaps, Tom? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I'll have to see. Uh, but the thing is, I'm sat at home, I've got two screens up. I got the, the, the biddy printer on and one of the games on, so it's, I can't listen to them all, you know. Um, but yeah, maybe I need to prioritise Yeovil over everything else that's going on in my life. Yeah, like me, I've usually got the <laughs> racing on and, and, and uh, the, the radio as well. So uh, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. Um, Ag mentioned it um, to me on on the phone over the weekend. Of the result came through that. You know, we're probably as guilty as anybody is building it up as much as, you know, everybody else has at the moment because of all the stuff that's gone on off the field. And then you think, OK, now we just need to get to that. Everything's pointing towards a good performance on the pitch. And then like Tom touches on, it wasn't so much that it was just a poor performance. But obviously, as a result goes, just it just deflates you straight away, doesn't it? But we do have that unique situation now where we've got four home games in a row. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's disappointing. And there was a huge crowd there. Tom, am I right in saying that, uh, you know, we almost took over the stadium in terms of the there were def- There were definitely more Yeovil than um, Hemel fans. It was it was quite a bizarre feeling seeing an away stand full of fans and even stretching around the other sides of the stadium. And then you look over to the to the ultra's end and it's um, it's nearly full. But yeah. yeah, we definitely took more than, than Hemel did. But, but there's all those all those people, including all the ones like Tom and I, sat at home listening, and 
you know, nothing comes and you're hanging on and you're hanging on and you think, oh, they're going to score in a minute. Got to score in a minute. We're going to score in a minute, but we don't score. And it's it's so frustrating. You know, I'm sure all the lads were given their all, but I guess, I don't know, maybe they're just a little bit ring rusty. Maybe maybe it was just one of those days. I don't know. Tom, uh, sorry, Tom, Andy, you, you, you've been in these sort of situations before. I mean, you know, when you first game of the season, I take it everybody's hyped up, aren't they? Yeah, I think it would have been a tricky one for them as well. Obviously, they've, they've rebuilt a lot over the summer. It's not going to just gel together straight away. I mean, if you're looking for a positive out of it, I mean, we at Walsall last season won the first game of the season 4 0 and we're top of the league for a couple of games. And we nearly got relegated by the end of the season. We were terrible. So uh, I don't think you need to worry too much about the first game of the season, to be honest. I think. It'll take a bit of time for the, the group to gel together. I mean, I spoke to Mark in the summer, actually, and, uh, yeah, I got the impression he was really looking to rebuild something there, but it's not going to happen instantly. And also, although maybe Hemel probably wasn't one of the games you were looking at, it's quite a competitive league as well. So it's not just going to be a case of, uh, yeah, the club's looking better and we've got a better team and, and we'll just go and get promoted. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for everything to, to gel together. Tell me something though, Andy. What you know? So let, you're you're a Yeovil player now, right? You've just gone through that, Hemel. Um, you've come off the pitch. What does a manager say to you now, and obviously throughout the week to get you ready for the next game? How does he? How does he psychologically, if you like, turn you? Well, I guess in theory, it didn't sound like they got absolutely pummeled one year. I'd imagine they probably stick to a lot of what they worked through pre-season with, and a lot of the plans they've had. Obviously mentally is a little bit different side of it for the, the manager to work out how he's going to pick his players up but losing 1-0 away from home on the first game of the season I don't think it's the end of the world I don't think hopefully he wouldn't have been too downbeat with them afterwards and hopefully there won't be too much to pick up from in terms of a mindset to move forward with four home games in a row to go now it would be you know a pitch that they'll be used to a surface that they'll be more accustomed to something that you know they can really build on and and have a week of really working on hopefully a few tactics and, and implement them on the weekend. And of course, the fact that we played on a, a artificial pitch, I think it was, wasn't it, Tom? Artificial? Yeah. Yeah. So that meant that we didn't have uh, certainly Josh Staunton and um, Jake, Jake. Yeah, Jake, Jake Hyde didn't play. Yeah, that's right. So there's two, you know, pretty, pretty certainly uh, first team players that weren't playing. So, yeah, that makes a difference as well. I, I understand why some players don't want to play on our turf. It's a funny old surface and annoyingly at the level I'm, I'm now playing at, that's all we train on at the moment. I don't think it's any coincidence that I've picked up my first knee injury probably since I last played on our turf. So, yeah, I can understand why some players choose not to do it. And it, it's a tricky one because they've tried to make it more safe and better for, for players, but it's still not grass, so it, it's going to be hard changing services. All the time. Andy, do you mind if I pop you on the spot a little bit? Because um, I just want to take up on the fact that you said that you spoke to Mark over the summer, so I'm assuming that you mean um, Mark Cooper. Um, yeah. Did that did that conversation involve um, any chance you fancy a third spell at the club, or was that not something that you'd be willing to disclose on this pod? No, definitely, yeah. That was, that was why I met him. Um, I'll be honest, I met him knowing realistically it was going to be a tricky one because location is now... No, I've moved further north than when I, I was at Yeovil before, so moving my family there for, for conference side football wasn't going to be something I could really justify doing. Uh, and also the fact that they dropped into the conference side as well. I think if it was a, a level up from offers I'd had similar, I probably would have been able to consider it more. But to make the commute work and dropped down to a similar level I'd already had offers for close to home. It just didn't really work for me, annoyingly. But, you know, Mark's a, a good manager and I think he, he you know, plays what most would see as sort of good, attractive football, but ultimately football's a results business and, and he's got to find a way of turning that sort of passing style and, and good, attractive football into winning as well. EID, we've broken a story on Three Valleys Radio there. Mm, indeed we have, yeah. <laughs> Don't usually get those sort of exclusives, do we? All you've got to do now is go back to July and, and put it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice one, Tommy. <laughs> 
nice. So words. just on the subject of, of Yeovil then, Andy, obviously I've uh, just referenced you've had two spells um at the club. Have you kept an eye on what's been happening over at Yeovil for the last well, particularly eighteen months and obviously where they find themselves now? Yeah, probably since I left I spent most of my career keeping an eye on if I'm brutally honest, as they dropped into to non league it likes it's sort of been touched upon before. It is a bit harder or you have to actually go hunting if you want to find out how they're getting on and, and what's going on. But especially with not being on social media, it, it makes me a bit more detached from probably events that have gone on off the field as well. But I you know, I keep in touch with Paige and I've heard various things from various people and it's not a nice it's not nice to hear what's happened to a football club that, you know, but my last appearance for them would have been in the championship less than 10 years ago and now they're in the conference side. It's a bit crazy, really. Yeah, it is sad, really. But there's not a lot um, much we can do about it. No. Andy, in terms of where you are now, so you, you've, um, you're you back at Hereford, is that right? Yeah, so I took the, the plunge in the summer to go part-time, basically. I sort of became a little bit disheartened with with football treated me the way it had, you know, I, I kept myself really fit throughout my career and was still, you know, winning all the fitness testing at the start of pre-season and everything. But because I got a, a three at the start of my age, it sort of treated it differently. And you're often coming on off the bench and just got a bit fed up traveling the country for 20 minutes here and there and not really knowing what I'm going to do after football. So I've started making sort of arrangements for that now. And I've got a job where I've, at least I've got some stability in life and something to fall back on if, come the end of the season, which keeps seeming to happen at the moment, the, the current manager doesn't want to renew my contract. So, yeah, I've gone back to Hereford where it all started and hopefully complete the full circle. Can you fix up a mortgage for me, mate? Uh, I'm not quite there yet, H. I'm not quite <laughs> put, I, I can put you in. I can put you in touch with someone who could. <laughs> I'm only pulling your leg. Like, like Adrian Hopper needs a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Tom White, want to come in on that one? <laughs> Actually, I, I, I started to see Matt course years ago when I was a stage agent, but um, then I got promoted to be a manager, so I, I stopped it. Um, but yeah, I done Dave Jones's mortgage a few years ago, so we're both tied in on five years, luckily. Woo! Happy <laughs> <laughs> days. Well, when I when I got a mortgage, we've done this from I mean, five year business. We bought a mortgage, that was it, and it was set that way, and and it it only fluctuated with the actual bank rate itself. There was none of this five year term or ten year term or whatever. You just spat on your hands. You just spat on your hands, <laughs> yeah, leaned across the it. table, and stood the bank, yeah, bank manager's hand. That's <laughs> it. Mate. Yeah, you got it. You got it. But it was a long time ago, I have to say, <laughs> a long time ago, and it was still we're still in the same house as well. So there I'll you see. Go. I'll see you in 25 years for those deeds. Yeah, okay, mate. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh... I was say, I think the um, it felt like the mortgage people saw us coming when we we got ours. Blimey. You wouldn't want to be in my position now. You know? <laughs> anyway, that, this has taken a totally different um, route than I was expecting. That's your fault. Tom, you got any mortgage advice you just want to throw in before we finish that conversation? Get <laughs> your chin up. <laughs> Hilda, I've said that the best way to identify Tommy White is Tommy White and Tom's Tom, right? Oh, yes, of course. Okay, of course. just in case you get confused. Yeah, absolutely fine. I can uh, I can stick to those rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just sticking with the football from National League South, Aid, have you spoken to um, Gary Johnson at all? Because obviously Torquay got off to a um, well, they a drawing start, wasn't it? 2-2 two, two up yeah. at Dover. So two of the bookies' favourites starting the weekend um, without a win between them. Yeah, I haven't actually spoken to him. I didn't think it was perhaps appropriate because uh, no doubt he would have been pissed off as well. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> but he would have been upset, shall we say. Um, so I haven't actually rung him. I will do in a, in, in a couple of days, I expect, when he's cooled down a little bit. But, uh, but, yes. but in a, in a nutshell, though, eh, those two results, I say Torquay drawing and, and Yeovil obviously losing up at Hemel, just goes to show that even though, you know, like um, Andy's touched on, there's a long old way to go. Don't worry about the first game of the season. But if those two results show you anything is that, you know, nobody's going to necessarily run away with this league, regardless of how big, you know, your club is. No, and I think the fact that I only had one right in my accumulator would probably also indicate that my knowledge of of uh, National League South is pretty poor as well. 
The problem uh, you if... have as well is you're able to be in one of the biggest clubs in the league. You're going to go away to these places, and it's going to be, even though the fan uh, swing sounded like it was still in the Oval Stable away at Hemel, you're going to have everyone's cup final. You know, the Oval is going to be everyone's. They're going to want to be at their best because they know they're playing one of the best teams, and that's not going to make life any easier for them to, to go on the charge. You know, I don't think this is going to be a mm. well, no, no football season straightforward, is it? And I think that'll be very much the case for Yeovil this year. How much of an advantage do you think it is that they've got uh, the way the, the fixtures have panned out? We've got four games at home on the trot. I think that, that'll obviously help. It, it, it depends on different services every week as well. That, at least they know now they've got four games at home on grass and stadium. They probably, even if they're all gelling together, they would have all played on through pre-season and probably trained on a couple of times as well and just be very familiar with. I think that and the, the home fans that will have behind them will, will definitely help. Mm, I hope so. In terms of the, the next game, um, Tom, it's in Tom, Tom Bailey... Tom Bailey, it's uh, St Albans who are up next. And if people aren't overly familiar with them, obviously at this level, I think I'm right in saying they, they were playoffs last season, weren't they? And I think they've got Sean Jeffers on their ranks, who did have a not a really particularly successful time under Paul Sturrock, I think it was, um, in the League Two campaign. But it's not necessarily going to be an easy game because they're a team that is expected to do you know quite well at this level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they've definitely started the season well as well. So they'll be coming in up high. Uh, they beat Weymouth two one at the weekend. So they've they've got themselves off to a good start. Um, we don't mind that. Nope, nope. We're happy with that. We're definitely happy with that. Um, I think it will it will definitely be a case of um, almost pretending that Hemel didn't happen and just really looking to kick on with this, or at least using the fuel from Hemel to really show that, that we are title contenders or playoff contenders or whatever we're going to label ourselves as. Um, but yeah, like like um, Andy's touched on, like everyone has touched on, there's no easy games in this division at all. Even your smaller clubs like your Aveleys and all the way up to teams like Torquay, every single game's a cup final. Like It's 46 cup finals in a season. We have to be on it from, from minute one until the very end. Tommy White, just out of interest, because everybody does make the point that it doesn't matter what league you're in, it's going to be difficult. So what league do you need to get to before, you know, a club like Yeovil would find it really easy? Oh. Uh, let's not let's not go down that route as a conversation, I don't think. <laughs> you know, we, we thought this one was going to be uh, something as a little bit. But at the end of the day, look, you know, the players are, without being disrespectful, players are, are in the division they're in for reasons within 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 reason. Yeah, um, so, you know, it's not like we've got championship or first division players and we're in this division. We are in this division with players, obviously, of a standard in and around this division. So let's not, you know, mask it up. Um, yes, we've probably got better facilities and a lot of clubs and a better ground and obviously a bigger history than a lot a lot of the teams. Not all, but a lot. Um and like the guys have said, we've touched on it before, obviously everyone's going to want to beat Yeovil without a shadow of a doubt. Um, they're going to get themselves up for it. Now, like you said, Yeovil have got a few home games where hopefully they can, you know, uh, make it a, a, a dominant place to play at home. The fans hopefully can get behind them uh, the first game after the, the chairman taking over and things. And hopefully there'll be a nice atmosphere and a bit of a carnival party type atmosphere and, and they can set it off with a victory and, you know, make it a fortress for the rest of the season. Um, but like I said, there's, there's never easy games. I don't think, you know, don't get me wrong, we, you can all have times where you really fancy yourself and things. But like I said, first five or six games, everyone's going to be sussing each other out a little bit, finding a, a bit more about, you know, what fitness levels other teams are at, etc. And, you know, what tactics some of the teams are using. Although there'll be knowledge from previous seasons, yeah, but people do change and tinker with things a bit. New managers have come in and out of different clubs, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, they're, like the lads are saying, you know, especially when you're scrapping out, the, the lower you go down, I think the less chance there is of teams running away with leagues because people are scrapping. Just on that as well, in terms of the fans' perspective, um, Andy, from an, asking for a little bit of honesty, not that I would expect you to give me any other answer, but what I mean by that is that 
obviously um you hear a lot that players would say things like well, we, you, you don't really look at a league table at least until until christmas and it's only really say the fans that look at league tables and and forms and things before you know before and um, that point in the season but as a player do you is that actually the line that you tow or do you always have a little eye to see where you are after even say five six matches oh yeah you you obviously have a little line that you sort of say to the outside world, and then you have the odd thing that you keep into. I think everyone's aware of where you are at certain stages of the season, maybe not so much after the first game, but after a, a few settle down, you start to see, you know, if you've won a couple, you, you're well aware of where you are in the league. And for, I, I mean, say from my experience, I don't know a great deal of obviously of dropping down to a similar level, uh, albeit at the north. Um, from my understanding, from people I've spoke to so far, in general, the full-time teams do send, tend to rise up eventually and, and be the ones that are mostly at the top. And obviously, that'll be Yeovil's advantage uh, a little bit over the others, but it won't probably tend to happen. Apparently, the big turning point is often around sort of Christmas period where the full-time teams have really had a good sort of few months over the others of that extra day or two a week training sessions especially over Christmas, they tend to sort of carry on training, whereas the part-time teams will probably have the extra few days off with the families and whatnot. So I, I, I think it would just take a little bit probably to get used to, but also, you know, Yeovil have got that advantage of being full-time over a few teams in the league, probably most of them. Uh, and the other thing I've noticed as well, I think the lads that tend to play part-time, there's a few, especially if they've come sort of up to play part-time rather than drop down out of the league, is... The actual fans do still have a bit of a, an effect on them playing wise. I noticed in our first sort of pre season friendly, the first time we played at home in front of the crowd, there were a few that had come up from the lower levels that definitely looked a lot more nervous than they had playing in a normal non league environment with a few less fans there. So hopefully, those four home games in a row, if, if the Oval can keep, keep the back in there and keep the fans there and noisy, it'll just uh, hopefully add a few more extra nerves to the away teams that they might not be used to. Andy, can I dive in here a minute? Um, just m moving away from Yeovil for a minute, um, looking at your uh, CV, your, your playing record, it, it's quite phenomenal when you look at it. Um, sure thing. Don't, don't, <laughs> no, well, it is. I'm not bullshitting you up here, but, <laughs> you know, t take away the, the, the possible inaccuracies from Wikipedia, but give or take that they're probably near enough, right? Um, Hereford United, 72 appearances, 28 goals. Bristol Rovers, 88 appearances, 8 goals. Two loan spells, 16 and 10 at Hereford again. 72 at Yeovil and 22 goals. 89 at uh, Swindon, 32 goals. Uh, 92 at Doncaster, 23 goals. 71 at Northampton and 20 goals. 68 at Cheltenham, 12 goals. Walsall, 27 and 1 goal. I mean, that, that that's colossal numbers, really, for a... For a striker, because obviously you're in the firing line, you can get injuries perhaps more more regularly than some players do. You must be pretty proud of it, I would have thought. Yeah, it's a massive diversion off all you're talking about. But I'll <laughs> happily let my head swell for a minute. If you want to yeah, feed well, me I know. I just, you know, of course, I'm. They've done me dirty with a few of the numbers there, but yeah. yeah it, it, he glossed over the uh, 27 games, one goal right at the end there, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> there was, and, and there was three, but two were in the cup, so they, they obviously don't get put on that. that uh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Now, yeah, they, uh, yeah, I've been quite happy with the way it went. Obviously, there was a, a bad spell just before I joined Yeovil at, at Bristol Rovers as well, which wasn't particularly fruitful. But other than that, I think I've managed to score goals most places I've been. And again, obviously, other than one of the big injuries I had at, at Yeovil and another one at Doncaster, I've stayed relatively injury-free, which is nice. So, yeah, it's uh, something hopefully I can... Uh, I'm not quite finished yet, but obviously full-time-wise I am, so... Yeah, just hopefully rack up a few more numbers part-time-wise and then, yeah, I think would be quite happy to hang my boots up. How's the uh, injury going at the moment? I mean, when I spoke to you before you actually came on, you know, you, you mentioned you had got a, a knee injury. How bad is it and is it going to clear up pretty quick or what? Yeah, annoyingly, um, it's sort of the perks of being non-league, really. I had, um, we, we trained on AstroTurf and played on AstroTurf eight times and then the first time I touched a bit of grass, it poured down all morning and uh, I'm convinced the sock the soft underfoot was meant, yeah, I damaged my cartilage. Uh, so I needed a, a meniscus repair. So I had the operation uh, two weeks ago tomorrow. So I get my stitches out tomorrow. And then um, 
yeah, I think it'll be another sort of six weeks after that, maybe, maybe, mm. maybe eight weeks. So it's not ideal start. No, it's not, is it? I mean, the first yeah. first time in my career, I've missed the opening day, which was a weird feeling last weekend because you sort of build up that hype through pre-season for that opening day, and everyone's excited, like I'm sure everyone was at Yeovil for sort of the unknown of what's coming, and then. Yeah, I sort of missed out on that little bit of excitement. So I've still got that to come in probably a couple of months' time, realistically. But, yeah, a bit frustrating. But, yeah, I mean, the biggest frustration was it's the first time I've needed anything with without actually having sort of insurance. Every football club in the Football League has has injury cover. But, unfortunately, you drop down to this level. I'd imagine, to be honest, you will probably have got it. But, for being part-time, we, we didn't have any cover. So I've had to rely on... Well, mainly because the club wasn't set up right. My dad and the PFA to help fund the operation. So, yeah. yeah, thankfully, thanks to my old man, I will be back playing quicker than Christmas, which is probably what it would have been if I left it up to the powers that be at Hereford. Well, if you're listening, Dad, well done, mate. Keep him going. Keep <laughs> him going. There's a few crutches you can find for him somewhere, I'm sure. Well, I'm hoping to be able to get him the money back within time, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't realise how expensive these operations are. And to be honest, yeah. Yeovil would have been paid for my the biggest one I ever had because I obviously did that when I was at, at Yeovil last time. So yeah, yeah. I didn't realise how much these things cost. To be honest. Oh, no, it's frightening, isn't it, really? And yeah. you know, when you when you start getting older, and I mean, not your age, but my age, uh, it becomes even more, uh, you know, susceptible to these sort of situations, really. But um, there you go. There you go. Anyway, over to you, Hilda. Sorry to interrupt like that. No, no, I just wanted to um, ask another question on that injury front, Andy, because correct me if I'm wrong, the, it was the second spell at Yeovil, which would have been the championship season, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, that was an injury that pretty much scuppered your whole campaign, didn't it? And that would have been the, the highest level that you would have played at. That must have been an extremely frustrating yeah. time for you. Yeah, massively. I only ended up getting nine games in a year, like you say that. I was out for the rest of the season. Well, I was actually supposed to be out for nine months, which would have taken me into the following season, but I managed to come back within eight, so that got me back for the start of the pre you, you, you came off the back of a really successful goal-scoring season with Swindon the year before, if memory serves me right. Sort of, yeah. I, I'd scored 12 under De Canio, but he left in February. I think I had 11 when he left, and I, and I ended up with 12. So it started off well, but... Once the dictator left us and we all sort of relaxed a little bit, I, uh, I relaxed my goal scoring sadly as well. So I only ended up twelve. We ended up losing. Tom Bailey, did you have a question for Andy there? Don't worry, I can't read. Ignore me. <laughs> Season afterwards. We, uh, you were going to come in with an incorrect stat. You, you said you're more than welcome on this podcast. Coming in with it. <laughs> actually, there was a twenty-one in forty-six, but that was the season afterwards. Sure. Um, but yeah, did you feel Andy that that was a Obviously, it was a, a really missed opportunity because obviously the level that they're playing in, and you know, you could have obviously played your part in hoping, you know, that Yeovil could have kicked on and stayed up that year. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it was sort of um, obviously nine games. You, you'd like to have probably hit the net as a striker, but I think as a as a group, we were all we tried to give a fair opportunity, especially in the early days of that season. To I have to be honest, mate, I didn't even realise it, it was nine games. I actually thought it, it was fewer than that, that you, you picked up the injury. Yeah, it probably wasn't nine starts. I know I was a bit in that time, but I was definitely getting opportunities to start. And uh, like I said, he was trying to give the lads that got promoted to the Championship the opportunity probably as well. So it probably wasn't until after I actually left. I think the form picked up a little bit. I mean, some might say it's because I wasn't playing anymore, but... I think it was also because he sort of tend to think with the team a bit more then and probably played more experienced championship players alongside the ones that were really thriving at the level. So it was frustrating. So I didn't feel like we, as a striker we created a great deal of chances, but I also felt like personally I could have coped at the level. I mean, the only thing I felt was different was it was a lot more athletic than, than League One, really. Everyone was a bit bigger and stronger. So you just had to use your brain a little bit more in terms, in terms of your movement as a striker. And I felt like I had it the ability to do that, but never really, sadly, again, got a chance to show that. I was constantly looking for that promotion from League One to go and have a shot in the Championship, but it never quite came. Tommy, what was your worst in injury? Did you, did, you, did you get any really bad ones or not? I talked to somebody who's had 14 operations, so, yeah, I think so. Is that only, um, only the 40, was it? I see, right. Yeah, okay. 14. 
Oh, I've had four on each knee. I was out for 23 months. Yeah. So, oh, wow. um, I I had four operations in those um, 23 months. So, like I said, when I was 19, I had Mel Steen was my agent. The same as Paul Gascoigne when I was 19, and then I had had a small injury. Then I was out from I think it's from 21. I was out for two years, 20 or well, 23 months. It was. Um, nice. Yeah, and I've told that story a few times. My first game was um, Preston. Uh, away under Ian Holloway, and um, I wasn't expecting to start. And I'd have had a Daz and a bottle of coke the night before, thinking I was just travelling up. And then he stopped me on the bus and said, "Oh, by the way, you're playing right back today." I was I like, talk. "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> I came off after about sixty-five minutes. I was absolutely shattered. Um, and then the end of that season, basically, I went on loan to Hereford for three months. Uh, um, then I chose to leave the club because of Bosman. Ian Holloway basically said, um, I want to get you fit and see how the season goes. I said, look, I'm only staying if you offer me this because I've been on crap money because I've been stuck on the same contract for three years and two of those years I've already played. Um, he didn't want to give me that money, so I said, I'm leaving. Um, and that was it. So, yeah, I've had, and when I left the Oval, you know, I, I got myself fit and Gary Johnson said, Tom, look, um, prove your fitness, I'll give you six-month contract and if you can get fit in that time, I'll, I'll give you two, you know, another a, a proper contract. Um, and I went trained, I played one game for um, Tiverton and I got injured in that game um, and I ruptured my um, medial ligament, um, which I'd never done before. Uh, and, you know, I went to see my surgeon and he went, you know, just getting over that again. I was 28 at the time. Um, and you know what? My knee is awful now. Someone's just asked me to play five-a-side. I met a guy at camping a few weeks ago, and he's like, oh, come and play come and play five-a-side with some of the dads. I went, mate, I said, honestly, I am one injury. I am one minor tackle with a 12-year-old away from never walking again. So, with all due respect, I don't think I'll take you up on that offer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit over and do a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I had bad that's injuries. Not, I had that's not true, injuries. is it, Tom? You, you're not one, you're not one tackle away from not walking again, though, are you? Yeah, yeah. What, just, seriously? Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had my kneecap moved. I've got, I've got a pin and a screw in my right knee. Um, I, literally, my right knee is hanging by a thread. Honestly. I promise you, if I had a 50-50 with a five, well, maybe seven or an eight-year-old, they would win and my knee would go the opposite way you're supposed to. It is so bad. Where did you have your surgery done? Uh, mostly for Joywitz Knee Clinic. Okay. Uh, Angus Strover, he used to do everyone. He did Gaza, Robbie Fowler, Juan Pablo Angel. Well, he used to do everyone's knees. Yeah. Uh, Tommy all, White. Like you're saying, it was all paid for. What's that? I said, and Tommy White. Yeah, 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 and Tom Moore, yeah. Um, yeah, he used to do all the big, everyone, you, you waited for him, he was he was a South African. Okay. Uh, he also did operate in, um, is it the Queen's Hospital, or not? it's an Australian hospital in um, in London. Um, so yeah, so he was the main man at the time. Uh, he, he was he, nothing to do with your surgery or anything, you think, maybe just something, bad luck or your, the way your body Yeah, is. basically, when I, was, when I was 24, he said to me, Tom, you're like driving a Ferrari through the Sahara Desert. It's a great vehicle, but you're not built for that. <laughs> he basically said, if you were a part-time footballer, you played to your 40, you wouldn't have had all these injuries, but your makeup, your body, your knees, you can't cope with full-time training. Your body won't let you do it. That was it. I have the same problem, Tom, all the time, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I can't. I'm just like a Ferrari. You know. Stavros told you that down the kebab shop, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. <laughs> Tommy, do you get do you get issues when you get issues? Is probably the wrong word. Sorry, mate. But do you get stopped when you go to like when you try and get onto an aeroplane and stuff? No, do you always set no. the machine. Well, I always say that. I always go. Oh. The only way I get stopped. It's a funny story. My passport. I got one of those chip and pin passports, right? And it never ever worked from the moment I got it. Right? It's never worked. I'm like, I'm so frustrating. You go, you know, you, know, you just scan it on that thing and you walk through. Yeah, well, I yeah. do that and mine doesn't work. So now I say, oh, can I just queue up over there? Because it's not going to work. And they're like, no, no, try it. I'm like, oh, God, guess what? It won't work. Anyway, I found out recently that it's somebody, some former criminal has the same name as me. And that's why they do it. 
So oh, it's dodgy. not my chip. They, it's because of my name. They You're a flight risk. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> so they basically said to me, your name is a very similar to a, quite a high-profile criminal. I don't know who he is. And that's why they stop me all the time. They, I have to go around the other way all the time. His name's um, Tommy White. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that must take a bit of doing then on the old legs then, really. A bit of extra punishment. Well, I need it. I need it at a minute. I'm in, I'm in a bit of a, I'm on a decrease at the minute. I'm trying to lose a bit of weight. But yeah, no, it's never gone off in answer to a question. Unfortunately, it's a bit boring. I do think to myself, oh, I might go off on the scanner, but no. And... <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you, I'll just give you a little tip. Try to avoid Rome. Because from the front door, right, to where you actually physically get on the aeroplane, it's got to be about three bloody miles. And I can tell you that from experience. Uh, I, did, I did the road marathon. I did the road marathon with with um, Dave Jones and that, didn't I? With the Yeovil yeah. Round Table years ago for charity. Yeah, yeah. No, it's we, I told you that. I tell you that story. This is a great story, but I know I've waffled on now. But story, right? So we're doing the road marathon. We're we're about four hours. It's going to take us. We're we're about halfway. And then Dave Jones, sadly, he had quite a bad injury. And I thought we weren't going to do the marathon anyway. He had a bad injury, Achilles tendonitis, so he had to stop and get some treatment. Uh, then we would walk a bit, jog a bit, walk a bit. Anyway, we got about two miles to go, and we're going through Rome, sort of uh, cobbled streets. People are shopping. <laughs> people are shopping on the streets, and we're running in our in our marathon kit. There's people shopping bags walking across us. <laughs> Six hours, ten minutes. It took in the end. <laughs> That's not bad, is it? Six hours, ten minutes. Yeah, it was it was a jog walk effort in the end. Yeah. So um. Yeah, and we, just they, and to evade, we just managed to evade them. Apparently, they were they were catching us up from behind. You tap on the shoulder and tell you to stop. That's enough now. <laughs> and with Adi saying don't go to Rome, I'm guessing we're not going to be sponsored by the Rome Tourers Board any time <laughs> anytime uh, soon. Probably not. I would imagine. I would. Yeah. It's, yeah. Nice, nice city though. To be fair. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah a little, a little bit. Advisor. Yeah, little bit of history there. Is there? <laughs> they yeah. do some you nice food, though, apparently. You know, the one thing I couldn't get over, you know, there we were in Rome, you know, the the holy it's city. <laughs> so we we obviously went to see um, Pope Paul or whoever it was at the time. And do you know what? He didn't even have the courtesy to come out onto his balcony and give me a wave, let alone invite us in to have a look at the Sistine Chapel. You've got, you got, just you got to go on happen. a Sunday. He, come, he, he comes out every Sunday. Oh, does he? Well, oh, we were there on a Tuesday. Well, that's why, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, even so, he could have invited me in to see the Sistine Chapel, couldn't he? You know, I thought that was very poor. But, you know, there you go. That could that could have put all them rumours to bed aid as well, because you know, has has anybody seen the Pope and Aidy Hopper in the same room together? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think yeah, they have. Yeah, I know exactly. It's shocking, <laughs> isn't it? Absolutely shocking. But there we go. It'll have to go down in the annals of history of the the Vatican, I suppose. Well, maybe you should go back on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, but then that means going through the airport and walking three miles, and my legs won't take that. So I don't think that's on. You want to try it with a walking stick, it's even worse, mate. Let the airport know you've got a disability and they'll get you on one of those little go-karts. Yeah, well, maybe they would, yeah. Because there was a Ferrari and we walked right past it. And I had to have a proper real Ferrari in the airport, which I had a good look at, which was quite interesting. But that's another story altogether, and that's F1, not football. So carry on, Dave. <laughs> well, we're going to go from, from um, the Vatican City to, um, to Australia because... Um, this morning, as we um, record this podcast the following evening, um, England women have booked themselves into the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Um, if my boss is listening, I was definitely doing my work this morning and wasn't looking at what was going on over my shoulder and watching watching the TV. But um, Tom Bailey, um, did you did you see any of it, or have you have you seen the result? Um, it was it was a hard fought fought game, but. England winning on penalties, it doesn't happen all the time, no matter whether it's under-21s, men's, women's, whoever, it, it's still a, it's still quite a feat to achieve that. So so good work all around there. Yeah, um, I was given permission from the boss to uh, go down and watch the penalties. Oh, so was so I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went down with him, so if, if anything's happening, it's on him, not me. What's the permission? Yeah, it was... Uh, it was strange watching an England penalty shootout other than the 
the Colombia one from 2018. I, I've never witnessed one before, a, a penalty shootout victory for, for England. So, um, no, we've we've definitely had injuries. Um, and the fact that we've come through that and still made it through penalties and held our nerve and got through to this stage. Um, if players are coming back, then why can't we go all the way? I mean, there's we've had shocks so far with Norway and USA, but... I'm not the most clued up, but and we must be one of the better ones. Relatively speaking, yeah, favourable side of the draw, isn't it? It's like shades of when I the England men's team were in Russia in 2018, where you say like the Germany's have gone out and suddenly it's just starting to open up a little bit. I think it's who's. I think we've got either Colombia or Jamaica next. And from what I've been told, Colombia are good and Jamaica not as good, but still good. So <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we um, can make it to the... I mean, semis, I'll be happy. Final, whatever. Even quarterfinals. Um, Tommy White, did you see the red card incident? Do you know what? Funnily enough, I did. Um, Was it Shades of Beckham 98 for you? Do you know what? I, I did exactly the same thing to a goalie once at Rugby Away in the uh, in the FA Cup. Get away um, with it? it? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was no cameras or nothing back then. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, I'll, no, I'll be honest. It was um, it's just a moment of madness. You just it, just it just happened. I was like... And I just did it. It was like a second, second flash in my brain. I wasn't thinking straight and I just did it. And, you know, I like to think I, you know, I was a pretty fair player, blah, 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 firm but fair and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, and it, it looks horrendous. Do you know what I mean? Because she, she had space to put her feet, but it's kind of one of those, like, you you don't think, you just did it. And I know it's really bad. And I know she's may get a lot of abuse and a lot of stick for it. And I'm not saying that she should. Obviously, she you, shouldn't. You see, it, you see it quite a lot, Tommy, don't you? Like, Well, maybe not a lot, but when you see um, a situation like that where the player's on the ground, quite often you do see the player just sort I of know, leave that little foot in. It happens a lot. I think, like, I've always played football in, and always gone, it's it's man against man. It's me against you. This, this is my time to beat you. And, and take it personally. Take it like, almost like a war. You know, like, this is me against you and I need to do pretty much everything I need to do to win today. And when you're in that mindset and there's an opportunity to sort of damage the opposition, not that you're necessarily thinking it's going to be any severe damage, just a minor bit, it just popped in my head and I did it. Um, And, you know, after, literally the second I did it, I was like, what are you doing, you tool? But it just popped in my head and I can only assume that she went through something very similar and because she's not getting nothing out of that. There's no benefit to it. It's just a moment of stupidity she, and madness. She knew straight away, didn't she? She yeah. knew straight away. I know. I mean, now with the cameras, like, yes, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel for her. I do because it is, it's ridiculous. But like I said, having done something very similar to a, obviously a lesser um, audience, <laughs> um, I get it. I get it, and uh, it's just a moment of stupidity. And now she's, you know, she'll probably lose her place. She's going to be suspended for the next game. Uh, she'll probably is lose that, her place. I, I know tournament football is obviously a little bit different, but is that because if it goes down as violent conduct, could she potentially miss like yeah, the rest of the tournament? It, if they, yeah, yeah, it could be, could so be longer. They, yeah, if they review it, she gets, uh, she'll just get three game ban, and that'll be a tournament ban. Have you been following the tournament, um, Andy? I had a bit. I mean, sadly, I've started a new job, so week one and a day i didn't think it was probably the right thing to have a day <laughs> on my phone on the... that is the correct answer so i mean i was followed I, I followed the results i stuck out to the toilet a few times just to check how we were getting on and uh yeah i'd seen the incident it, it, it's frustrating because she she'd had such a good tournament as well um and to be honest technically she probably looked a little bit head and shoulders so she was like, just a little bit out of the game i think um i think that's what happened today and it's probably it was, what caused it, it was yeah frustration wasn't it it was, yeah. it was one of those little almost like petulant moments where she'd obviously just been frustrated that she hadn't been able to sort of uh sorry use a better phrase stamp her authority on the game obviously, <laughs> oh very good oh. <laughs> she's obviously found another way of doing it sadly but yeah it's, it's obviously going to cost her dearly now which is a real shame for everyone, I think. So I actually quite enjoyed watching the play, which was, like I said, I thought technically she was she was so much better than a lot of the other players that have been playing in this tournament. And she was a real sort of sort of weapon for us, and yeah, we've lost that now. One thing I've sort of taken away from the tournament so far is that um, the referees have been have been mic'd up, similar to the 
mic that I've got on at the moment, the whole headset going on. But um, Tom Bailey, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and as much as it's good to listen in on the decision. So for instance, there was the, it was originally, uh, no, there was a penalty decision, wasn't there? And the penalty got, got overturned. And the referee obviously said in the microphone to let everybody know in the stadium that, that it had been, the decision had been overturned. But it seems to me that they've mic'd the referee up, but the bits that are being privy to the fans are the bits that I would suggest are quite obvious when you know, we've been saying for a while that we want to be able to hear the conversations that are a bit more behind the scenes so we can understand. But do you see where I'm coming from? Like what they what the referee was was saying on a microphone was it's a red card. It's like, well, we can see it's a red card. We don't need you to say that to the crowd as well. Did have you have you found that as well? The same as I have? Um I think if they're because to be honest, I've not watched. I've only followed results. But um, if they are doing simply just this is a red card, this is a yellow card, it kind of defeats the point of what they're doing, as you say. Whereas if they're either giving us sort of insight as to why they're giving a yellow card or why they're giving a red so with card, the penalty that got overturned, she did announce to the stadium that it, it had been overturned mm-hmm. and um, it will be a free kick um, to the other team, but. She clearly did the signal, went to the monitor, and then gave it as a free kick. So the signals were obvious. So I just felt they didn't need to be narrated yeah, as well. That there was no contact or yeah, I, I just same. didn't think we were getting. What, yeah. what have you made of it, Tommy? Do you see where I'm coming from? It just needs to be different dialogue that we hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Andy, have you ever been sent off for dangerous play? I presume that's what they call it. No, thankfully, I've got a squeaky clean career at the moment. I don't know if to finish it that way, but yeah. Yeah, no, red, no reds at all then? No reds as of yeah. I've probably had the odd bit of petulance, which is kind of why I get it. I, I, I feel like the England's women's team are kind of... Obviously, the way women's football's taken off, it's progressed massively. But I think in terms of like a global sort of team, I think they're... they're they are basically around the back around the time where Beckham had his petulance thing. You know, I think the media coverage when we won the Euros, we were so sort of, I think it sort of awakened everyone to women's football. So we were sort of quite behind on it in terms of the media coverage. I don't think that was the same hype of them. There was no expectation. There was no pressure on them. Whereas I feel like they've come into this tournament with the pressure that probably all the sort of golden generation of England boys had when Beckham and that were playing. And mm. I think they probably, as a result, they I mean, in the Euros, they were winning games like 8-1 and some stupid, weren't they? Whereas now they're like, I know they had that 1-6-1 in, in the last group game. But other than that, they've just been sort of edging their way through. And I think it's like a whole new pressure that they're having to deal with now because they've not been used to this media coverage, the media hype. I mean, everyone's getting used to VAR and all the sort of cameras that are on you now. I just think... They're going to, unfortunately, we've watched Lauren James learn the hard way of probably what all the women following her now will probably know, like, like go out, you've got to be extra vigilant with these six sort of things and you've got cameras off you everywhere. You can't, I mean, you've got to think after, after the Beckham incident, there's been few and far between sort of men's clubs. I think Rooney had one, didn't he, maybe a couple of tournaments after that. But there haven't been too many moments of petulance like that in the men's game since Beckham. You kind of learn from mistakes, don't you? Whereas... I think this is sort of all brand new and we're watching it all live on TV for the women's football. Yeah, but if you learn from your mistakes is what you're implying. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not being funny now, Tom. You clearly didn't then. Sorry, I missed that then. I just I was uh, chatting to him. Well, a... Andy was saying that, you know, that, that, that since Beckham flicked his boot up at, uh, what's his name? Who was it there? Uh, Simeone, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Simeone. Yeah. yeah. Since he did that, um, players, you know, they seem to have learnt from it and are not doing it. So where were you when Becker was flicking his foot up then? Uh, yeah, I was watching that. Um, but like I said, <laughs> I, I, I'm honest, like, I never got sent off. Uh, I think I was ever suspended once. Um, where That was back when if you had five bookings before Christmas or around Christmas that you, you, you had to miss a game. I think I only had that once. Um, it was just a moment of madness. Just yeah. absolute. I think there was, there was nothing really in it. I, like I said, I did 
And it was one of those, even as I trod on him, I, I only gently trod on him. It like I stamped on him. I literally just, I barely put my stud on his yeah, chest. Yeah, sort of thing. I know what you mean. Bloody tail that is. I, I, only, uh, stop, I only gently trod on him, ref. Honestly, ref. Uh, loads of instances <laughs> will happen like that, right? Especially, well, any level, really, where there's not, not all the cameras. But, I mean, technically, Lauren James got away with it. it in, but, unfortunately, she's doing it with a VAR system where... Someone's yeah. gone to the ref. Hang on a minute. You might want to have another look at that. And then, yeah. oh, she's. So I, I, I'm sure we've all done little bits of patches like that. But I think the the big players have got to be aware. And I, I just don't know if the women's game's probably as advanced in that respect because it's all quite brand new to have this sort of media coverage on them and this sort of hype on them. And she's obviously been aware that she's been like after the first few games, everyone's been raving about it, and she probably felt pressured that. She's got to go and do it again now in the round of 16. And for 85 minutes, she was quite quiet. So hmm. that was her sort of release. We haven't got um, too much longer left um, of this week's pod. So Aid, minutes, we've, we've still got a few minutes, minutes for minutes. now. Yeah, but um, I just want to bring into the, the equation. Obviously, it was the Community Shield um, this weekend. Um, Aid, did you, did you watch it? Obviously, two good teams. Two teams are expected to do quite well again next season it seems to me that this competition if you want to call it a competition um always seems to be settled by penalties it's got that feeling of um of a really sort of tight um game whoever's involved with this one as it's the the curtain raiser but have you seen anything from either team yesterday which made you think any different that will probably be you know city are obviously obviously be up there and arsenal probably will be as well again i spent the whole week actually um gorging on uh, Man United because we had two games on the telly and um, I wasn't going to miss them. So uh, I saw... So I'm asking the wrong person then is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) I saw very little, very little. But I tell you what, two things that come out. I'm a great believer, always have been, of the law of averages. Now, Manchester City have swept all before them. They've won every blooming thing that's going. Um, And I see already... Pep's whinging about the timing, this business of extra time and uh, injury time and all the rest of it. So he's whinging about that for a start. Um, okay, they didn't win the game. They lost it on penalties. I just wonder, you know, is is, is it all going to change? I mean, they, they've had a bit of a, t- a turnaround in terms of the team. and It surely must take a little bit of time to, to you know, like Yeovil are suffering in that, you know, they, they've, um, they've got to get... Uh, drilled haven't they they've got to get uh, used to playing with each other and I, I just wonder whether you know just just maybe they're not going to be quite as good as they thought they were going to be this season on that couple of transfers West Ham have bid 30 million for Harry Maguire oh have they oh I expect mm. you're going for 30 if million Man United, if, if Man United aren't accepting that there's something wrong yeah we? well I mean yeah. Eric needs the money because he wants to get this soft what's his name uh, Am- Amrabad or whatever it is Amrabad yeah, yeah. and Nate Neymar said he wants to leave Paris Saint-Germain. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, I see that the, there was a couple of um, sniffs now that uh, Sheikh Jassim is very close. Now, I know we've been told that for the last six months he's been very close. But I just wonder, having had such a, a lengthy period of time when it's been absolutely nothing coming out, and it's gone all really quiet, and then suddenly we're getting little sniffs of information coming, where we just maybe this could be... The, the one one story now I thought, I, is, you know. I thought I read something today. Do you reckon that that won't happen until around New Year? Mm, well, I don't know, but it, it, yeah, it, I don't think that takeover age is going to be anything that happens soon, mate. Well, we no, should see. We should see. I live in hope. I live in hope. But as for City, um, as I say, uh, I'm absolutely delighted that Arsenal won. So that's all I can tell you, really. <laughs> um, Tom Bailey, did you watch the game? I'll be honest. I was watching something else. Uh, um, I, I went this is going well. This community yeah. field chat. <laughs> I could, what I can add, though, going off of what Ad said, um, Andy, what are your thoughts on the added time for this season? Because I mean, Yeovil saw a total of fourteen minutes of added time across the two halves, um, and it felt very bizarre reading out. You know, eight minutes of added time, six it's like minutes the World of Cup, added time. Isn't it? Yeah, and to be honest, I'm a big fan of it because it stops time wasting, it stops sportsmanship, and it actually makes them play the game and not try and sportsmanship their way through it. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Andy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, to be fair, I suppose my brother-in-law plays at Swindon Supermarine, so another level or two down from from where we're at. I mean, they were even doing it at that level. I just think, 
I get it. Obviously, time wasting's happened and will always happen in football, no matter what. But I half get and understand Pep's point as well. I mean, you're basically saying you got to prepare your body for over a hundred minutes of football every weekend because that's basically what you're playing now. And I, I know the point is that some of that is is off the, uh, you know, the balls off the pitch, and you're probably not doing anything. But sort of mentally, you're still in the game, so it, it, it's a lot of time to be adding on. I think. Uh, I don't think it's going to deter the time waste. So I guess it's something we just have to get used to. People. I think this is why some of the fans, how I took it, that were a bit annoyed with Pep's comments because, obviously, all the, all the managers and players and everyone were told that this was going to happen. So then, when it happens, yeah. to then complain about how many minutes were added on, you can still be frustrated about it. But to be particularly annoyed at that amount of minutes for that game when he knew what was going to happen probably came across the wrong way to some people possibly yeah what was it we were into it was eight no we went the goal going on 10 minutes it's supposed to be eight or something like there that. Was, yeah was there was there not 13 yeah, minutes at a time or did i make that up i think yeah they eight. ended up playing even more after that as well yeah, yeah. but then in fairness so on on um an alternative radio station this morning they were talking about um the lapse of time that the ball was like in play on average and in the premier league it's something like 55 minutes on average yeah. In the championship, it's 52. And as you go down the leagues, it gets less and less and less. Yeah. In League Two, the ball was in play for something like 46 minutes. Yeah, we had some games last year because we were brutal at Walsall. We were, I think it was barely half an hour, the ball was actually on the pitch. Yeah. So, you know, if people are paying to come and watch a game, you know, unless you're going to have 300 in, ball boys. In Pep's defence, I mean, they waste time by keeping the ball. They probably kind of do it the yeah. right way. It's not like yeah. they're... It's not like they're taking ages to take throwing and goal kicks. They play game. They play the game properly, and that's probably his frustration. Is that they're probably really like to be massively affected by the way they do it. We, I've said it on here before, and I, I've said it in the World Cup when we were doing the podcast for the World Cup last year. My, my missus is a big Villa fan, and we go and watch them a few times. And Martinez is dreadful for it, absolutely yeah. dreadful. When they're one up, he is pulling his socks up. He's changing yeah. where he's walking from one side of the six-yard box to the other. He's kicking the post. He is terrible for it. Now he's not going to get away with it, and that's you know, and that is that it's that action that makes it all like this need to come have, in. Have you boys ever had a direct um, request from your manager at any point to time waste like that? Exact words like time waste, please. No, I think sometimes you said like slow down, aren't you? Like, oh, it's just worded in a different way, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Definitely, in my old Rovers days, they were you know, out to take time over a throw in, out to do, you know, all, all the time. They'd be like, walk, you idiot. When you're do they, getting I was say, do they teach you walk. little techniques? Or you just yeah, got game management, they call it. Yeah. Game management, that's it. Yeah. Roger. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap up our game management now because I think <laughs> I'm right in saying that's yeah. pretty much all that we've got time for. So, um, well, we've Andy had Williams, three minutes very much of extra time. For, I mean, that's ridiculous. For coming on. <laughs> Yeah, we have been talking for for an hour. Yeah. 40, 49 minutes of talk. <laughs> My boy's waiting for his bedtime story here. Yeah? Oh, well, there you go then. There you go then. Well, um, I usually get the honours of finishing off, so I'd just like to say, first of all, thanks, uh, Andy, for coming on. I trust we can get you on again in a, in a month or so or two weeks' time or whatever, OK? Not sure we want to hear about you finishing off, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's true, but I guess it depends on, on how your mind works on that one, really. Um, that's acceptable but, to go out on radio, that's fine. Oh, dear. But, um, uh, Andy, I'm assuming that you'll be having nothing to do for the next few weeks, so apart from uh, flogging the odd mortgage, so um, we'll, we'll give you a call. Uh, but thanks, right, too, thanks, thanks for today, mate. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, right. Tommy White, thanks again, old dog. Um, we will see Hello, you again. Thanks, you're you're a regular, so you'll get called up whenever we can and wherever we're short. Have a good so. week. And you. Thank you. Take it easy. And Cheers, you, Tom, uh, Tom Bailey, thank you very much for coming on, old dog. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. You'll be on again. Don't worry. Thank you very much. I'm sat on the bench ready. Good. That's what I like to hear. And you, Hilda, you all right? Yeah, I've got managed to get in in the end, didn't I? So, yeah, thanks again, boys. Yeah. Beautiful is uh, uh, Abby all right on the bend? Uh, yes, yes, she is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, she's doing well. Good. That's what we want to hear. Okay. Well, that means to say, all I've got to do now is to say you've just had one minute, sorry, one hour and four minutes and 21 seconds of football. Bloody hell. Football.